Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and make sure that Jesus is centered. If it's something that's really well done the first time, it's not broken, stop trying to smash it. I'm always intrigued to see what it is that people are going to do with something that's already been done before. I hate remakes. I love remakes. Welcome everybody to part two of I Hate Love Remakes episode 16. I am Noel. Joining me as always is Evie. Baby ghost. Some, I don't really know this song. I don't care that much. But I know what's in reference to, and yes, baby ghost. God damn babies. Except for my niece, she's awesome. But all other babies I've met I hate. Joining us again is Dana from Made to Fail. Still feeling the pain. Yeah, yeah, you promised to never watch this remake again, and yet you've this done it for actually, us. This is actually, I'm not joking, when I first saw this, I saw this because I love Chuck Shinari, I was like, oh my god, they didn't remake this, I have to go see this. So I go to see this, and in the theater, there's like all these 11-year-olds in front of us, right? Yeah. And they were screaming at everything! everything. God, yeah. Like, screaming like they were on a roller coaster, and it pissed me the fuck off. Hey, this movie was perfect for 11-year-olds. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I watched the movie, and I'm like, this is the worst thing. I took an, a blood oath that day. Like, I am never watching another remake again. This is the movie that made me swear off remakes, this particular one. And then Nightmare on Elm Street came out, and I'm like, fuck. I and then Elm Street came out, and then we had the Psycho episode, which you didn't watch the remake for, but you watched clips. I skimmed through it because... And then we had this one. But to be fair, I had already seen the Psycho remake. True. But thank but you for going on. against your blood oath and watching the remake again for us. I really don't want to do that again. Wait, who did you take a blood oath with? Because if it was with yourself, uh, then the spirit that of work. Yure Cinema itself. Yeah, <laughs> I took it with Takashi Miike. So Evie, you want to tell us what remake we're talking about? I'm far more concerned about this blood oath, and actually far more interested. But yeah, sure, what the hell? Well, it's... if she dies somewhere in the middle of this podcast, then we know why. Bleh. Oh, she dies in the middle of this podcast. Lucky. Yeah, I'm doing it. Now I don't have to review it. Oh, no. Uh, so am I. Uh, it's <laughs> we'll have George massage your corpse as the review comes out of your mouth. <laughs> George, are you going to be massaging my corpse? George is just... <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, what? what? He's probably <laughs> thinking, I can I? <laughs> Wait, mm-hmm. I? How much do I have to pay for that episode? No, stop being Noel. Talk about the movie. <laughs> so, Evie, what remake are we covering in this episode? Uh, it's the uh, 2008 One Missed Call. Yep, directed by Eric Valetti and written by Andrew Clavon. Andrew Clavon is someone that we all know one of his most popular works, even if we don't know him. Do you guys remember the Brittany Murphy movie, Don't Say a Word? Nope. Yep. Just everyone remembered the trailer where it's Brittany Murphy going, I'll never tell. I like that movie because it has Sean Bean in it. I like that movie because it was based on Andrew Clavon's book and it pretty much threw out his book and did its own thing. He is an awful, awful novelist. <laughs> that is so shocking. And Andrew Clavon, he, uh, he wrote a number of novels. One of them was even turned into a movie made by Clint Eastwood, who again probably didn't base it very closely on the book. And currently he works as a contributor to Glenn Beck's online network. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, which movie was this that Clint Eastwood made? Uh, True Crime? Uh, yeah, no, that one sucked. Yeah. 
and it didn't suck. It sucked. Yeah, so Andrew Clavon has such a good pedigree that he wound up with Glenn Beck. Wow. Well, I think that's punishment enough, really. And Eric Valetti, or, or Valette, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, is a French director. This was his American debut, and I've actually had one of his other films sitting in my shelf for like a year now, and I hadn't watched it yet. And I just, for this weekend, I decided to watch it. It is super hybrid, where a bunch of mechanics in a garage are stalked by a live car that wants to eat them. And here's the thing. It's actually a really darn good movie. It's actually a and really... you like a lot of things. I, hey, I don't, I'm not one of those guys who really likes crap. I don't really like shit all that often. And this one, this one, it's a stupid concept. It sounds like a stupid concept. I know that, but it actually is a really surprisingly intelligent film with really good characters. You see blood car. But I don't entirely give Eric Vallette credit for this. I, I give it to Neil Marshall Stevens, the guy who wrote it. Excellent screenwriter. I love some of his stuff. So. All right. So explain this movie. <laughs> As uh, I said, I don't all... give the director credit for that movie that I liked. So I'm not going to give him credit for this movie. Here's the, he never saw the original, and he told all the actors to never see it. I remember that from when I was looking it up. That suddenly makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll build on that when we I get into discussion. I remember hearing that when uh, this first came out, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a train wreck. That actually makes a lot of sense, and I'm intrigued because I read the screenplay by Andrew Clavon, and I told Evie, you know, this isn't that bad, but it's just basically because he transcribed 90% of the original movie, and then all the stuff that he added was shit. A lot. This well, is we, we, barely... we gotta wait till we get into the discussion, though. Oh, fine. Because we gotta synopsize this thing first. It sucks. Fine. The end. Pretty much. There. Wait, all right, give me a couple minutes while I read off this synopsis, because I took the time to write it, damn it. Here's okay, the synopsis. Okay, it sucks. The end. And by the way, Margaret Cho. Gosh, right? All right. All right. Well, hang on. We're, we're getting ahead right. of ourselves. Fine. A chain of occurrences is starting to form where people mysteriously die with a piece of red candy in their mouths and a person randomly selected from their cell phone contact list receives a voicemail with the date and time of when they'll soon die, along with a recording of their final words. After two of her friends die after receiving the call, both of which are written off by the police as a suicide and an accident, College student Beth Raymond teams up with Detective Jack Andrews, whose sister experienced the call two weeks earlier. The two trace the chain of calls back to Marie Layton, a missing woman whose two little girls were frequently admitted to the same hospital, one for asthma attacks and the other for injuries that appear to be the results of abuse. After the older girl, Ellie, dies of an asthma attack, there's a fire at the hospital and her sister is put into foster care when their mother suddenly disappears. Another of Beth's friends receives the call and is violently killed when she tries to receive an exorcism on a reality show. Beth is the next to receive the call, and she and Jack continue their increasingly frantic investigation, ending when Beth learns that the old hospital where the fire occurred is still standing. She enters alone and is shocked by freaky ghost imagery. Jack joins her, but is quickly knocked out. A minute before she's scheduled to die, Beth finds the corpse of Marie, who died in the fire, a cell phone clutched in her hand. Beth destroys the phone, ending the call, but the corpse comes to life and chases her. Beth starts to cry and asks why, and the corpse simply sheds a tear and strokes her hair before finally going still. And you know what? That scene right there, when George was watching it with me, he's like, is this going to go somewhere really uncomfortable? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I wish. Unfortunately, she didn't have lips at the time. Don't need lips, baby. After the police clear up the scene and cut our heroes loose, Jack goes to tell Marie's living daughter about her mother's fate. While there, he finds a nanny cam in her teddy bear that reveals Ellie was the one abusing the girl, not their mother Marie, and that the cursed call stems from the lethal asthma attack Ellie suffered when Marie discovered her crimes. While rushing to Beth, Jack learns that his phone was the latest to receive the cursed call, and he's killed by the ghost of Ellie shortly after arriving at Beth's place. 
Ellie also goes after Beth, but she's forced back by the ghost of Marie, and the curse instead moves on to someone randomly chosen from the contact list in Jack's phone. Evie, do you recommend this movie? No, I don't, I just, I don't fucking care anymore. I don't, like, oh my god. This, what the fuck, what did I just, no! (laughs) She sounds like me. She sounds like me. No, but, okay, this is like if someone saw the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and was like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, but as we established, he didn't see the ceiling, he just heard about it. Okay, yeah, if someone heard about the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and was like, oh, yeah, you know what, that sounds awesome. I'm going to make it out of, like, fucking macaroni and glitter glue and unicorn stickers. Hey, those actually go for did. a lot on eBay. That's because people are stupid. That's not my fault. Let me review. Anyway, <laughs> macaroni, glitter glue, and unicorn stickers and just, no, like, I honestly think that if you have not seen the original, there's so much of this movie that you're going to be sitting there going, What? Because it doesn't make sense unless you've seen the original. And it's stupid. And also, because I figure I should say something nice, Margaret Cho is in it. And I like Margaret Cho. And good for her <laughs> for getting money for this. <laughs> I like Margaret Cho. I, she does nothing in this movie. She's not in it enough. This right. movie sucks. That all you got? There's about 20 more minutes of me ranting about how much I hate you all, but other than that, that's it, yeah. Okay. Dana, I'm assuming we know where you stand. Do you recommend this movie? I can't recommend you not see this movie hard enough. You know how they say, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all? Here's my review. (laughs) So you like it. I'm wondering how long you're going to hold that beat. (laughs) This was, wow, boring, boring, bad acting, bad, 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 bad. Shannon, however the hell you pronounce her last name, acting was so wooden they might as well have hired Pinocchio. Hey, Pinocchio is a great actor and you should not insult him by comparing him to her. Yeah, but the problem is his contract comes with a lot of strings. hey <laughs> uh yeah, I wow. Considering this was pretty much like the movie. It, this was Chakachinari almost every single plot point. It's hard to pinpoint why this was so bad. A lot of it I think was the acting. A lot of it was because it was just paced so poorly. It just went beat to beat to beat to beat to beat like dubstep, you know, like yeah. and, and it just uh the characters I don't feel are connected to one another enough. Like, I didn't get the impression at all that these people were friends and talked to each other at any point. Whereas in the beginning of Chakashinari, you have everybody gathered together around a table and they're talking and they're laughing and they're having fun. Like, they do this every Friday or whatever. But you don't really get a sense of camaraderie between these people. They don't feel like they have their own personalities at all. They don't feel like individuals. They don't feel like they have their own little idiosyncrasies like Yumi did or or Natsumi did or Yoko. They're just completely interchangeable. I did like seeing Azura Sky in it, though. I really like her. She's a good actress. She was in Wrist Cutters, A Love Story, and she was in um, Season 7, Episode 4 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, and Episode 7 as uh, Cassie. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, she was in Buffy as Cassie. I think she was good in the role she was cast in, but you didn't really have a lot to work with here. George says that Shannon, however the hell you pronounce her last name, which is just what I'm going to keep calling her. Sawsimon. 
Uh, it's just that she's good in a lot of other movies. Um, she's got, that's what he said. Hold on, hold on. I'm quoting George. And that the problem is she didn't really have anything to work with here. And I called bullshit on that because I've seen good acting in really shitty movies, i.e. Supergirl. Yeah, it was a shitty movie, but Helen Slater fucking brought it. You know, it's possible to care Helen about Slater, I've seen do a lot of shitty work, too, though. But... Even in good movies. Shannon Sossaman, whatever, she wasn't just phoning it in. I think she had somebody take a note. She just dictated it in shorthand and had a monkey type it out. It was so bad. It was so bland and boring. She didn't deliver anything with any kind of feeling or gravitas or anything. She was just, like, monotoning the entire movie. It was so ungodly awful. So, Noel, do you recommend the movie? Yes. Are you shitting me? He totally I recommend is. that people take this out into a back alley and beat oh, it to death. Oh, bless your heart. I was like, not even Noel could like this movie. I was no, like, he just find something good about everything. Now, as, as I told Evie, My Bloody Valentine 3D is worse than this movie, but that's simply because they thought they were making grand art and it was awful. This one, it's so dispassionate. It's so lazy. This it's, is the here have a paycheck movie. You brought up the notion that the director most likely didn't even see the original movie. But he said he didn't. As I said, I read the script, which was basically just took the original movie and transcribed it. And then, yeah, this is what I would expect if you just took a transcription of the original movie and gave it to someone else who had never seen the original movie and said, here, make this movie. This is what I would imagine getting. I don't like the concept of remakes, but if you're going to fucking do it, be a fan of the original. At least know what it is you're dealing with. Yeah. Jesus. Even if you want to go off and do your own thing, at least know what's been done. Do you know what it is? It's the difference between learning Japanese and reading it from a phrase book. Yes. Which is kind of what he did here. It's like a high school play version of Hamlet. Mm -hmm. You don't quite get the material, but it's still the script. Here's the thing is, I'm with George. I've actually seen Shannon Sawson do some really good stuff in the past. What? Hey, I really liked her in Night's Tale. I really liked her in 40 that's Days, 40 Nights. He, yeah, that's what he I really liked her uh, in Catacombs. Catacombs, I thought, is a very I underrated movie. I saw Catacombs, that movie. She's doing the exact same thing that she did here. But I didn't have a, much of a problem with her performance here. Yeah, it was subdued, but the entire film was wooden It and wasn't subdued. subdued. It looked like it someone had anything. just like... But then again, and her dialogue was awful too. The dialogue was terrible in this movie. Oh, God. Yes, but I've seen uh, actors in bad movies There's with links. terrible dialogue that make really But you're awesome assuming characters. that she wanted to do good. The entire film feels like nobody cares. So many, yeah, Nobody exactly. feels like they give a shit in this movie. The people well, making it, the people starring on? in it. That's what I don't understand. Because they, they paid them money for it. Exactly. Well, then I'm sorry, but I get to judge her based on the fact that... Could be that she signed on thinking it was really excited, but then by the time she got there and saw what they were doing with it, you know, the contracts had been signed and she couldn't back out. Yeah, well, too goddamn bad. And I didn't think she was that good in A Knight's Tale or 40 Days and 40 Nights. And she was really bad That's in Rules of Attraction and just... Well, the order was just a mess anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the only time I liked her was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So can I finish my individual review? No. One of my big problems with the original was it tried to do a kind of deeper, more psychological and intellectual ghost story while also kind of doing the Halloween boo scares. This one kind of cuts down on the intellectual psychological thing and ups the boo scares to the point where almost the entire thing is just fucking boo scares that have nothing to do with anything else. 11-year-old shrieking. It was poorly shot. It was poorly edited. It was, it was poorly scripted. Dark, especially towards the end. I, I mean, I remember even in theaters, I was like, I can't see what's going on. And as you pointed out, none of these people feel connected. You know, the entire opening scene of the original had that bit where you're looking at them in the diner. And it's that entire scene of them putting all their numbers on their phones and exchanging numbers. We didn't have anything like that here. 
The entire point of the whole deadly cell phone thing is it's supposed to prey on the interconnectedness of people, and we don't get any of that subtext in this film at all. No. So it has no weight. Why do we care about them? Why do we care that they care? Do they care about these people? Even the core theme of just interconnectivity being the thing that brings us down, that's gone away with too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have the child abuse angle there, but they don't really take it to its fullest. It felt kind of shoehorned. Well, because they pulled out the oh, bits in the Oh, it's in the, the original script, so we have to put it in here. Yeah. I think we've pretty much moved into open discussion, so let's just keep going. With the whole child abuse angle, it doesn't have the furthest extreme that it carries on to that the original film did to make it worthwhile. If this one, it just has the setup. It doesn't have the payoff of her being pushed to the point where she feels guilty and so she's apologizing for abandoning her mother. They mm-hmm. kind of try to do that with the whole letters and everything. By the way, that mom really spends a lot of time on her envelopes. Yeah, like, what's up with that? The envelopes never got explained. This film is like Wolf Blitzer in that it's both equally bland and over the top. It's exaggerated and boring at the same time. Exaggerated blandness. Exactly. Where exactly was the mother sending these from, too? Because I'm like, I assume she's in jail for killing her father, but... How do they keep getting into the house? You don't know that she killed him. I mean, like, you don't know that she killed the grandma either in the original. The implication was well, like, well, that, that to go ambiguity of there's the assumption, did she kill that person or did she just see that and decided, well, I'm going to use that to fuck with my daughter some more. I got the impression it was the latter in both cases. Because in the remake, when she's going up the stairs, you hear him kicking off the chair and the grunt of him hanging himself. Yes, but is that just her remembering what she wants to, or is that really what happened? Also, it doesn't matter. It's well, how it's Are presented. you going to say that this film had subtext? No, I'm just saying that, you know, it. whatever. How is it that, you know, her room is all nice, and then she leaves the room, and all of a sudden, it's like this old rustic house. Yeah. That it turns it's, into, I'm like, it's falling this apart. isn't what houses yeah. look like. It's rotting from the top down. When we start out this section of my living room. <laughs> When we start out the movie and there's that one girl whose name I don't remember because I didn't give a shit. And the one who drowned? The, yeah, the one who gets drowned. And I'm like, is she supposed to be in Japan? Yeah, because it really looked like it, didn't it? You can yeah, tell well, that's the director saying, well, the original was set in Japan, so let's have an Asian garden. I think she was in Japan because there was that koi pond and everything. Well, and look at the house behind her and you have all yeah, the bamboo. Yeah, but there's people who have those in California, yeah. too. Maybe she it's was Japanese living overseas. Well, I don't know if she was living overseas because there is a compressed timeline in this movie. It's not over the course of six months. Like in the original, it's just over the course of a few weeks. And we know this because they're constantly saying, that's in two days. She also Can I call you tomorrow? Days. Tomorrow. That's in one day. His sister died 11 days ago, and she's the one who called the person who drowned. So the person who drowned probably wasn't living in Japan. If she was in Japan, maybe she was just visiting. I don't think no, she was she in Japan. No, she said she was going to see Leanne at school. The next day. I think they just threw in an Asian-style backyard because, hey, the original was from Japan. Let's do that as a nod. See what we did there? Plus, here's the thing is in that draft of the script that I read, that scene wasn't in there. So that was something that they added later on. Which we didn't really need it. So, you know, padding. That's great. Thanks. And they killed the cat. Shut up. I like how you're complaining about a movie that has padding when it's barely an hour and a half long. I know. This film is 87 minutes. I know. You looked that up, didn't you? (laughs) No, no, because I watched it just a few hours ago and I had to make sure what time it was going to be. Every other line of dialogue in this movie, it's like, why is this happening to me? Or that's two days from now. Or there has to be some sort of link or connection or everything's connected. They're doing the exposition dance so many times and it's so stilted too. Oh, it's, oh, oh my God. It was. That's why I have a hard time criticizing the acting because they're really given some awful lines. They are, but still, it's still some bad acting. Like, I was praising the body language in the original, and then there was, like, just nothing here at all. 
Yeah, but then again, also, you know, what were they given within the original and what did the director give them in this one in terms of this is how everything ties together? I think we need to blame the director in this one then or like, I mean, I'm sure they turn in a bland performance and I'm sure he said like, oh, that's good enough. It was probably a combination of the director, the lazy acting, the the good director will push for more from his actors. Yes. And we're not saying this was a good director. No. Nobody's saying So I'm just wondering how much of this is the acting and how much is the direction. I think it was just a combination of everything. I do think an element is also that they probably knew it was going to suck, so they just kind of lacked the passion, too. I don't think this even made that much money. It didn't have to. Most of these horror remakes are cheap. I do think that the actor who played Brian was fairly good, but, I mean... Who was he, the one? He's the one who gets, I think, the rebar through Oh, he was awful. I thought he was awful. He was the only one who was actually putting in any effort. All right. See, he just came off over the top and false to me. And then the whole rebar thing was, oh, we're doing Final Destination all of a sudden. Okay, you want to hear how much it made as of uh, March 2nd, 2008? How much? Probably not. $26,812,746. Against what budget? The budget was $20 So we got about 26 and some change. So it broke even around-ish. Depending on how much money they spent on advertising. Not a lot. That poster was shit. No, but I meant like not just shitty poster be damned, but commercials and whatever. I I don't remember seeing that many ads for it. I just remember seeing the poster everywhere. I saw two commercials, maybe. Okay. Two different ones. This I really hated in the movie. And right before people are going to die, they start seeing like the weird faces. Yeah. No, you know what really pissed me off? The people who didn't get the call started seeing weird shit. And I was like, no. You're not yeah. haunted yet. Wait, wait, who? Everybody. Beth, for one. She started seeing all kinds of weird shit. She wasn't No, not until yet. after she got the call. No, yeah, the not cop until... was seeing it, too. The cop was seeing it. Not until I got the call. No. Because mm. he got the call in the evidence locker, and then he's driving, and he sees the guy walk by. That was right after he was told that he got the call. I could have swore yeah. I saw a whole bunch of people seeing weird shit. No, oh, no. And here's what else bugged me. The TV guy, which was hilarious in the first one and just seemed kind of skeevy in this one. He Um, played the devil on Reaper. Yeah, we all know Ray Wise. He's sitting there like, your story has really moved me and and gotten my attention. What story? Who has she been telling? Who has Taylor been talking about this to? Nobody. Yeah, everyone at school who was trying to delete their numbers from the phone. Yeah, but how did that get the attention? And that came in the original, too, as someone just, people at the school know about this story, and now they know that she's the one who's gotten called, so they're all trying to get off her phone. So someone probably called this reality show and said, hey, listen, I know who got the latest call. That's yeah, still, but it seemed far more believable like in the original. In the original, they just kind of plow over it because you have that great scene where he has the entire camera crew and he's confronting her and it's so overwhelming. Hold on. The Japanese culture really puts a lot of importance on ghosts and uh, they really believe in ghosts. And here in America, we're all just like, that's bullshit. So mm-hmm. it's a lot more believable that something like that would happen in Japan, but not here. Yeah. And here's the thing is it wasn't broadcast live in this one. That was the big thing True. in the original is it was broadcast live here. They were recording a show this, yeah. and they found out that none of the footage actually recorded. So in the end, what was the point of that? I gotta wonder what happened after that on uh, <laughs> on television in Japan. Like, was this a big news item? Somebody died on TV? Blah, it was blah, probably blah. just spreaders a rumor like it was here. And, you know, people were like, oh, that's bullshit. People were like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah, but like I said, in Japan, they believe in that shit. Not everyone. That's not a universal thing. There's a lot of people who believe in that shit over here, too. That, that's why you have shows like Ghost Hunters or stuff like that that are still popular. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. People like it. I found a cold spot. You're standing in front of a drafty window. <laughs> oh my god, it's a cold... That's a fridge, sir. 
To go back to the images that everyone saw, my problem is it's just Carnival Funhouse bullshit. None of this stuff has anything to do. I mean, like, I do like the image of the gal with the mouths for eyes. Yeah, but what but the fuck has, does it mean? And then it's like, oh, it all ties back to these creepy dolls that she had in her room. Yeah, that, which, by the way, what, what parent parents... would buy, yeah. buy those freaky ass dolls for the kids? It has nothing to do with anything. It was just added just so we could have more boo scares. They're trying yeah. to be symbolic of what? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, at least in the original, everything kind of did tie back to the main ghosts. Set dressing supposed to have something to do with the overall thematic? Ah. And then you have the CGI baby thing. <laughs> that looked like something out of Ghoulies. <laughs> it looked like something that was dancing with Ally McBeal, you know? Or the baby Freddy from part five. <laughs> oh, come on. The baby Freddy looked better than that. It's waving a cell phone. And, and then there's the creepy fall. smiling guy. And then you have Marie burning up. It's like, it's just throwing so much bullshit imagery. And then you get the centipedes. What the hell do the centipedes have to do with that? The kid has a giant centipede in their room. Like at the end where they're showing when the kid dies. Well, remember she collected them from that thing on the tree outside of her window. That big pussy thing on the tree. I don't care. It's still creepy as shit. No, I know. It's it's bullshit. It's it's just meant to be creepy stuff that they're throwing at us for no other reason than to pat it out. I hated that they changed the ringtone. I hated that so, so much. Yeah, I didn't really care about the ringtone. No. The original is an iconic ringtone, I'll give you, but I didn't have a problem with the new one. Yeah. I thought it was too simplistic. I thought the original ringtone was nice in that it had a beautiful, creepy melody to it that could be used in the background music. And this is just like... this film had to establish its own artistic identity, damn it. What artistic identity? But, like, you didn't need to change it. I mean, No, it was, I agree. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary at all. And, and the new one is so bland and boring. Well, and but think of the film. it doesn't sound as creepy. It sounds like somebody walked no, in with a well, xylophone. It, and... it went with the theme of the movie, if you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. See, it all ties together. As I mentioned, is, is it how this film manages to be both boring and over the top at the same time in that... Yeah, everything is kind of bland and blandly shot and blandly put together. But he keeps trying to throw in all this imagery. He has all these... The soundtrack is always full of whooshes and creepy sounds. We will hit you over the head with this plot point. Yeah, it's just... It really felt like I was being beaten with it, like with the see what I did there. This is like a guy who's never made a horror movie that they're telling you, go make a horror movie. And he thinks this is what a horror movie is, but he's never actually sat down to watch it. We have to explain this to you. Oh, and you know what else bugged me about the ringtone? It was too loud. Like, it didn't sound like it was coming from a tinny little cell phone. I mean, they could have, like, fucked with the effect a little bit more. It sounded like it was coming through the entire room. You know what I mean? Like, it Okay, now like you it just was... turned into someone's grandma. Your cell phone's too loud. No, it was. <laughs> the original it, it had moments of that, too. Yeah. No, but it just, it just bugged me. It should have sounded smaller. See what sound editing the facts. But the thing is, you want it to be something that entire room full of people hears and goes, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Okay. See, the thing that bugged me is the fact that a nanny cam, apparently in the form of a bear, also plays music, which seems very unlikely that they would put those. No, 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 no. I got the impression that the bear played music and the mom just hid the nanny cam in there. But you would take the noise mechanics out of the bear and put the camera in its place. No, it, what a nanny oh. cam is is a teddy bear with a video camera in it. I'm picturing, like, the scary movie parody of this, how, like, someone just took, like, a huge film camera and just stuck it through the head of a bear. That would have been better. Teddy Ruxpin is fucking... And she's just carrying this bear with this giant camera hanging out of its head. Nobody notices it. 
But yeah, no, that was supposed to be like a nanny cam because it would have recorded on the disc, so it would make no sense why a nanny cam yeah, I guess would it play music. Make and music, I love how it when it falls, the... it falls perfectly so that it frames the dying girl. Yeah. But of course. Right as it gets her hands as she's styling the number and then it shifts again to get her face. Mm-hmm. Convenient. Good editing on that bear. Yeah. Bear's like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I gotta get the shot, man. I gotta get the shot. Give me another shot of honey. I can do this. <laughs> I just got Adobe Power Pro, man. Come on. <laughs> Trust me, I can do this. Trust me, I'll be the new sensation. Yeah. Damn, you don't like my art. <laughs> I love how in the beginning, I guess what they're trying to do with Leanne is play with your expectations because you have that professor who's talking about abuse and, you know, hallucinations and Leanne's clearly supposed to be the victim of abuse and then she's just offed. And I'm like, that would be great if I didn't know from the opening credits that Shannon Sossman was the star of this movie. So I think they should have made Azure Sky the main character. She looks like she's been abused. I would have actually done, like, one of the things I liked about the new Elm Street, even though it cut down Nancy, was setting up Tina as a false lead, pulling a psycho. Um, mm-hmm. They were trying to do that in the original, too, so... I thought that they did a good job in the remake of setting up Tina as a false lead. They then just failed on bringing up Nancy. If you hadn't seen the original, it yeah. probably would have bought it. Basically, yeah. if you had been living on the moon... But no, I, I could never... picture that <laughs> of making her, like, the false lead. I could picture that. Well, the thing is, they're trying to lead you like, oh, it could be Leanne. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not Leanne because we know she's going to die soon. Yeah. No, and... well, there was, there was just so much focus on Beth in frame. Well, I mean, and... the thing is, with Leanne, she's the first one to get the call, so you kind of know she's going to die. Also, I love the fact that, like, Brian's supposed to be in love with Leanne, and I'm like, they don't have one scene together. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and I love that film is a visual medium. We're just supposed to so believe it because show us. Not just tell us, but no, no, just tell us. It's better. They did show us by the part where he was reacting poorly to her death. Yes. Okay. After there goes the that fact. girl. What's yeah. her, what was her face? Taylor? Taylor. Yeah, Taylor was oh, awful. Like, what, the 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 face. Was her, what was her accent? I. What was her acting? Foreign. I don't <laughs> know. Foreign. Her accent is foreign. Just she go was awful. It. Yeah, no, she could not act. And she's at someone's funeral basically being like, oh, my God, she got like this. <laughs> That's who she is at the funeral. That bitch. And they keep calling off. her on it. And she just kind of does that little what shrug, you know, it's like he's telling you why this is bothering him. And you're like, I don't understand. Yeah. And she stops and then she starts again. And he's, he's like, shut up. I'm like, I was so Stop happy when she died. Why are that they all wearing like, T-shirts and jeans at their friend's funeral? Wait, that was, yeah. that was the one line of dialogue that I liked was, stop trying to think, it makes you look bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then Beth shows up and says, but I think it too. Ugh, yeah, shut I, up, no. Beth. Just, yeah. Uh, and Brian looks like a scumbag. I don't know what the hell. Yeah. Shut up. I like Brian. Why well, you guys got to hate? He got piled uh, Well, he was supposed to be the Kenji. And Kenji kind of like was trying to be like the tough guy too. So yeah. it's just the American version. The badass dude, bro. Yeah, the badass dude, bro. Which I guess in Japan, it's, you know, street punk. And in America, it's dude, bro. See, in most films, they die unless they become sparkle pyres, in which case they're the most awesome ever. Oh, Emmett Cullen. I loved watching you die in Nightmare. <laughs> I would just be curious to see what would happen if a sparkle pyre got the phone call. Fan fiction, if anyone wrote that, tell me. I want to read it. Kevin, Well, I don't know what would happen, but it would be really disappointing. Well, Stephanie Meyer would find a way to give the ghost a happy ending. (laughs) 
before it, it kills anyone. Okay. It just has the threat of killing people until it realizes how wrong it is and experiences true love for the first time. Well, isn't that kind of like how most Yurei are dispensed with anyway? The Yurei comes out to kill her victim, but then finds out, oh, he's actually kind of hot. It's love at first sight. Oh, isn't that warm bodies? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing is, the ending actually makes sense, but it's boring. No, 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 yeah. no. The ending makes sense until the last second because it completely negates itself with the call. Completely. No, it doesn't. It because now the curse has passed over her and has now moved on to someone else. Why? Because Marie. Marie saved her. Right, when and then the phone starts people. calling again. Yeah, but it yeah. doesn't call her. That, yeah, yeah but then the curse, moved, that. Could, the curse moved on to kill Jack instead, and now it's calling someone from Jack's phone. Probably Margaret Cho, which would have been an interesting code. Was that Jack's phone? No, because we heard the phone ringing. Yeah, why would we hear the phone ringing if it wasn't to her? It goes to black and you hear a phone ringing somewhere. Oh, you don't right. hear it we, ringing in her oh, house. Oh, right, right, right. We don't hear the ring tone. We hear the dialing. Yeah, we hear yeah. It, it dialing, and it cuts to black, and now who is but it going to pass on to? But who's... There's no curse without the ghost, though. The She's mom... been saved, but the curse is still going on. She did, The mom didn't get rid of her daughter. Yes, she did. That no, was no, exactly she sent her daughter back into the phone so she could move on to the next victim. That's stupid. So Why it's like Lawnmower Man 2? Marie, I've the been... only reason why Marie was able to save Beth is because Beth saved her. Beth is the only one that she but was able to protect. wouldn't Marie want to just stop her daughter altogether and not just like... Yes, I, but this I, movie I, is But stupid. you're presuming that she has the power to do that. We're presuming okay, that we're not You're presuming that she's strong enough to completely stop the curse. If she had the power to stop one kill, why doesn't she have the power to stop them all? Because the only reason she got stupid. the power is because Beth saved her first. Fine, so now she's... So now she's okay. But that doesn't stop the curse from moving on. That just prevents it from doing one thing. You guys are forgetting something really important. That this movie, movie is stupid. Yeah, but it makes sense to me. No, it, no, does. it doesn't. It's it does to it's me. The movie suddenly turned into Lawnmower Man 2 <laughs> Beyond Cyberspace. Which is one of my which favorite movies, so shut up. would have been a better so movie up. than this one anyway. Lawnmower Man 2 is an awesome movie. It's just like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. You defeat Freddy, and he inexplicably is alive again. It's like Alice sees him in the fountain. But here they never defeated Ellie. They just stopped her from killing one victim. She didn't stop Ellie. She just shielded one victim. Well, that's dumb. Ellie was still moving on. And the thing is, is that by that time, she well, already moved to on stop. to another victim, so she was not able to kill Beth. So is Beth, like, invincible now? I don't from, care. From Ellie, or? I don't know. Maybe what, what would happen if she gets another call? Yeah. I don't care. Granted, I don't think she's ever going to own a cell phone ever again. Yeah, all right. Well, that's stupid. I don't think it's this stupid, but... Stupid. Why does it have It makes sense to me. It makes more sense than the original one, but it's not as interesting as the original one. The original one is almost a little too complicated for its own good, but in its complexity, it's more interesting and more interesting to discuss. Right. It's at least yep. got more things to talk about. This is more of a typical ending. This is kind of your basic horror movie ending. But you remember how in the original, how Yumi is afraid to look through the peephole and then eventually she overcomes that and that big fucking... Spear Psycho comes through, yeah. Spear blade comes through. In this through. one, she finally overcomes it, and then the other guy gets killed by looking through the people. Yeah, that was, I'm like, you don't even have that cool payoff. It's <laughs> No, yeah. that was, it's that was supposed what... to be her moment of character development, and then the fucking guy took it. Yeah, yeah and then I'm like, and then it's just Ed Burns. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to say it, and I don't care. Ed you Burns even sucks get the in cool... everything he's in. You I didn't don't like even him. get the cool shot of the elongated spear coming out. You just saw yeah. Yeah. like... Here's the thing, Ed Burns... Yeah, he's a crappy actor. He's actually a pretty damn good screenwriter. So I'm like, you have him on set. Let this guy rewrite your script. 
Well, apparently they weren't gonna, because, you know, they've got that guy who... They got the guy who's now working for Glenn Beck. They must have had a really limited budget. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you got an actor here who's actually a really damn good screenwriter, who's actually worked on a number of pretty decent films as a script doctor. The shooting doctor. schedule must have been really short. Let him just hack out a draft over a weekend. Come on. At least he'll make the dialogue a little better. Even if he doesn't fix all the plot, he'll at least make the dialogue a little better. What's to say that they didn't? He was like, fuck all y'all. Because really, if he's not getting paid for it, oh, yeah, no, I for the writing, still, yeah. if he's not good, yeah, there'd be no reason for him to do it, so. I'm sure he was, like, sitting there mentally wincing the entire time, though. <laughs> I, I don't think he was mentally wincing. You I could, know, I You could was. hear it in his performance. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cared about this movie. I think everyone had signed contracts for, like, you know, a three-picture deal, and this was, like, the third picture everyone was required to deliver or something. No, I think you really nailed it. Nobody involved in this movie cared about it. There's such a sense of apathy to it. And nobody who saw it cared about it. They took their <laughs> paychecks and they did what was contractually required of them. But there was no passion at all. It was exactly like a whore. Yeah. <laughs> and why was Margaret Cho in this fucking movie? I, I got Maybe nothing. she had a condo payment due. I don't know. I love her, though. I love her too, but she didn't do anything in this role and there was nothing there for her to do. I oh, wonder if they oh, had oh, a bigger wait, part wait, for wait, her wait, 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 Another plot point that I just realized, I wrote this down. Remember when they, they were all like, oh, we didn't find any voicemails in the victim's phones? And then you got the detective character sitting there like, well, nobody checked the phone records. What? Well, no, here's what the thing. kind of detectives? She didn't take it seriously because she didn't find the voicemails, but he went and looked back further. This... It, Checking who called who is different than what voicemails are there. She had no reason to perceive a connection between these victims because it was a stupid ghost story being brought in by a kid on the street. He was the one who was looking into it for personal reasons. Okay, they've all got the candies in their mouths. As they said in this movie 20,000 times, there's some type of connection. And that's what I love is, he says, well, they all had the hard candy in their mouths. Yeah, three people had candy, you know. And they all died. Look, it's a connection. There's more links here than, like, an army of Nintendo games. She was like the detective in the original. She, yeah, she could see the links. She just didn't want to believe it because it was so ridiculous and her reputation would be at stake. Whereas he had a personal tie to it because of his <laughs> sister. Kruger killed them, Daddy? Yeah, right. I do yeah. like the fact, though, that the sister's apparently been, like, out there for a week. And I'm like, apparently the animal does not want to go near her because she should not exist, really. She I would love be food. how the girl was sitting there, like, dressed up in, like, horror killer gear before she cut her sister. <laughs> yeah, how she pulls yeah. the, the mask on. She's literally, like, donning the cloak of evil. <laughs> sitting there like, no, like, okay, this is what a serial killer is supposed to wear. Let me put on my Unabomber. Little kid in the black hoodie of doom and evil. I swear, I'm like, I was watching that. I could just hear film brands screaming, symbolism. Oh my God, I may have to do this movie sometime. And then when she shows up in the end, they do the, the really bad CGI piranha growling Twitch face. face. Twitch face. Yeah. I the, well, the Twitch face, and then they add the whole piranha snarling and go like, Arr! you know, it's like. We have oh. to make it look Japanese. That didn't have anything to do with making it look Japanese. They did it because it would scare 11-year-olds, which is mm. great. The twitchy horror doesn't come from Japanese. That comes from Jacob's Ladder. Huh. If this is something that would scare an 11-year-old. Japanese are the contortionists. And it did. It did. It did scare the 11-year-olds to the point yeah. where... Which I, is I mean, great. I but this is a film made for 11-year-olds. Anyone older than that. I was making fun of it, and I got yelled at. And the one screaming in front of me, like, really loud. Why are you here? Mm. Yeah. You know, leave. This is clearly not for you. And, and then Wait, it was really you don't funny understand they, how stupid this is. It was it was funny because they were leaving the theater. They're like, oh, my God, I have one missed call. 
And you're like, oh, I'll make you die. I hope you die. <laughs> I have it. nothing else to say about this movie other than I don't think I could have come up with a better metaphor for it than like a junior high cast and crew doing Shakespeare. Even a junior high cast and crew, they at least know the material. This is a junior high cast and crew that but literally got together it. and didn't bother reading the script or memorizing their lines, and they're just sitting there like, whatever. Uh, I guess Hamlet dies at the end stuff. Oh, hold on, I have a phone call. I'm going to grab it. <laughs> Yellow? No, thank you. I would like to die now. That, this movie great. called it wanted to apologize and hopefully get a hug from your corpse. They would say No, that was the original that called. It, it say, says, it's okay, baby. Stop talking about the remake or you die. Yeah. <laughs> they would have said seven days from now, except somebody already covered that. <laughs> I just love that. Wednesday, that's in two days. And I kept heckling it throughout the whole thing, like, hey, call me tomorrow. That's one day from now. <laughs> it just it was so bad. You can just picture Mimiko calling up Sadako and leaving a voicemail, and then Sadako calls back and says, hey, we'll hook up in seven days, you know? And Mimiko will be like, no, two days from now at 10.39 p.m. <laughs> just wow. I'm not going to be free for another seven days, so come on. Oh, that time of the month. <laughs> I'm unwell. Yeah, it was. Oh, <laughs> down no. well. oh. God damn it. Evie, did you catch that? <laughs> yes, I did. I just chose to ignore it. Oh, you fucker. All right. Well, I have nothing more to say other than I do not recommend this. It is boring as hell. Yeah. Typically, this is the point in the show where we would ask, which one do we pick? And that's, it's not even worth going down that road. Yeah. Normally, I would expect you to say at least one nice thing about it, like defending something. The only thing You're I liked really about the remake good. was the lady with the, the mouth eyes, and it had nothing and, to do with anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I like Margaret Cho, but mostly because I like Margaret Cho. It was a representation of the statue that Ellie or whatever saw as she was dying. Like, wow, that was it. Yeah, except that that one didn't have mouths for eyes. It was just dumb. It is. It's, it's just there's, there's, there's nothing about this film to merit a watch. I am proud of you for saying that. You never say that. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, wait, so there have been plenty of episodes where I didn't like the remake. Yeah, yeah And there's been plenty of episodes where Evie liked the remake better than the original. So <laughs> you just don't listen to our show. So. I, yeah. Look. I don't watch a lot of stuff on that guy with the glasses either because I'm only interested in the subject matter, not the reviewer. Yeah, no, I didn't recommend Halloween. I didn't recommend My Bloody Valentine. I am going to listen to My Bloody Valentine, though, actually. No one, here's spoiler warning, no one recommended the remake. Okay. Yeah. No one. Yeah, so I think that brings us to a close. F I, minus, 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 minus. Go check out the original. What's I, I, lower than F? Even those of us who didn't love it still thought it was worth a recommend. Mm -hmm. The remake, just pretend it doesn't exist and go watch One Must Call 3. Yeah. Go watch One Must Call Final. That'll be your good follow-up to the original. And, and One Must Call 2, basically? Yeah. One Must Call 2, it's not going to kill you if you watch it, but as long as you just pretend that its continuity doesn't exist with Part 1. Breaks all the rules. Yeah. And not in a good way. Exactly. So... I think that's going to bring us to a close. Thank you, Dana, for joining us again, and thank you for watching the remake again. Well, I would say you owe me, but you're buying me one missed call final, so I'll consider it a fair trade. Okay. However, you are paying for my therapy bill. <laughs> yeah, I've been no. telling that for years. It's not <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> just let him have this one. <laughs> I'm done. All right. 
Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Sort of. And good night, Evie. Good night. To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool. Uh, Did everyone hear that? Yeah. yeah. You better edit out that perp because I don't care. I'm not ladylike. I'll use that to replace the little ping at the outtakes. You can just say <laughs> No, that is just... Why don't you use the bong that we got from uh Just say, why don't you use the bong? No, the bong. We have a bong sound effect. Bong. Yeah, from the, from the original Lady Killers. Why don't we use that? I'm just so used to using the little ping. But I like the bong. <laughs> Yes, I said that. Outtakes. Outtakes.